0: Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 1 Nephi 8 today. Although we're reading today about Lehi's dream, as Nephi calls it, remember that the first eight chapters of 1 Nephi are an abridgment of Lehi's record and his experiences that he had. Nephi wanted to know what his father saw, and he wanted the Lord to show him the vision for himself, so... When he got over when we get over to first Nephi eleven through thirteen, we'll see Nephi's vision of what his father saw, but he saw so much more, and um records in greater detail what he saw, and he also saw the future. We'll talk about that when what he saw when we get there, but just know that we'll do a sort of repeat of this dream with Nephi, and Nephi gives us an explanation of the dream. Another interesting thing about his dream is that Joseph Smith's father had a similar dream when his children were young. So imagine his surprise when he read the Book of Mormon and saw a similar dream uh, written that from the plates that jo- his son Joseph translated that Lehi had seen so many years before. Okay, so not long after the boys got back from Jerusalem with Ishmael and his family, Nephi says his father told him that he had a dream and he ha- or what he calls he had seen a vision. So many people in the scriptures have received revelation through dreams or visions. Joseph Smith... King Nebuchadnezzar, a pharaoh, had a dream about the seven lean cattle, but he didn't know what to make of it, so he asked Joseph, who was sold into Egypt, and Joseph told him it was about seven years of famine. So this kind of thing, receiving revelation by dreams, is not unusual. Elder David A. Bednar says revelations are conveyed in a variety of ways, including, for example, dreams, visions, conversations with heavenly messengers, and inspiration. That was Elder Bednar. Elder Richard G. Scott said a similar thing, that dreams include inspired communication and they are generally accompanied by sacred feeling. This is what he said. The Lord uses individuals for whom we have great respect to teach us truths in a dream because we trust them and will listen to their counsel. It's the, it is the Lord doing the teaching through the Holy Ghost. However, he may in a dream make it both easier to understand and And more likely to touch our hearts by teaching us through someone we love and respect. That was Elder Scott. This is not the first dream or vision Lehi had seen. Nephi told us clear back in 1 Nephi that his father had written many prophecies and many things he had seen and vision. Here's what he said. This is in um, 1 Nephi 1.16. And now I, Nephi, do not make a full account of the things which my father hath written, for he hath written many things which he saw in visions and in dreams. And he also hath written many things which he prophesied and spake unto his children, of which I shall not make a full account. But Nephi tells us he's not going to go back and talk about all those other visions. They'll be on the plates of Lehi. But instead, he'll talk about some of the things of his father. And this particular vision or dream is what he chooses to put in his record, mainly because Nephi himself asked to have the same vision or dream and the explanation. But think about this while we talk. Why do you think that Nephi chose this dream, this vision of Lehi's to put in his record? Why did he think it was important for you to know and understand? Well, Elder Boyd K. Packer says, You may think that Lehi's dream or vision has no special meaning for you, but it does. You are in it. All of us are in it. Nephi said, All scripture is likened unto us, and it might be that it might be for our profit and learning. Lehi's dream or vision of the iron rod has in it everything a young Latter-day Saint needs to understand the test of life. Read it carefully, then read it again. That was from a speech he gave that he delivered at BYU called Lehi's Dream in You. So now you know that it's for you. So let's dive in and see what's going on here. Lehi now tells his family about his dream, and he's very excited to have seen the future and to see that many of the descendants of Nephi and Sam will be saved. But now he's worried about Laman and Lemuel because he saw them in a different way. Okay, let's start in verse four. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you, for behold, me thought I saw in in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. Oh no, what's happening with Laman and Lemuel? Does this mean that just because Lehi saw Laman and Lemuel and the lives they would be living, that they would ultimately end up that way? No, they could repent. Remember when we talked about predestination and foreordination during the New Testament podcast? If Lehi told them, well, guys, this is your future and you can't change it, then that would mean they were predestined to be bad and fighting with Nephi for the rest of their lives. But that's not so. Someone once said the object of the dream was to acquaint Lehi with the condition of his sons in order that he might warn them so they could repent before life got difficult in the future. They can still repent and change the direction of their lives and the lives of their children. But if they did not repent, this is what would happen. As a parent, I think we always worry about our children and the choices they make and whether or not those choices will keep them close to the Lord. I know you never stop worrying for your children or your grandchildren. And the same is true for Lehi as he sees the train wreck that's coming if two of his boys do not repent. So he hopes by telling them the dream and giving them some much-needed counsel that it might make a difference in the choices they make. So now Nephi tells us what his father told them. This is in verse 5. And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. And he came and stood before me, and it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me, according to the multitude of his tender mercies. Okay, so there's a few things going on here that we need to talk about. First, Hugh Nibley says that this is the standard nightmare of the Arab, not just darkness, which was scary enough for travelers, but the mists of darkness, which we're going to talk about down the road. Now he sees a man in white who asks him to follow him. Who do you think the man in white is? Think about it. I'll wait. Well, it's either Christ or someone who represents him. But what does Christ ask us to do? Come, follow me. But how does that apply to us? Well, there are times we're in darkness or wandering and not knowing which way to go. And we go to the Lord and ask for help. Joseph Smith did that. He didn't know which way to turn. And when he went to the Lord for help, Satan came with his darkness and tried to stop him. So how did Lehi get a release from the darkness, and Joseph Smith as well? They prayed. What happens after we pray? Well, often a light appears, or an answer comes, or the way becomes clear. Okay, verse 9, And it came to pass, after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. So usually when they talk about a field, it's the world. If you go down to verse 20, it says the large and spacious field was, was if... It had been a world. Okay, back to ten. And it came to pass that I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof. And I beheld that it was most sweet, sweet above all that I ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. What is the tree? Tree, and what is the fruit? Well, we have to go over to First Nephi 11, verse 21 and 22 to find out what the tree is. Anybody want to guess before we go over there? Okay, here it is. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore, it is the most desirable above all things. Of course, the tree is the love of God, and its fruit is everything. Susan Easton Black had said that the tree and the fruit that it has can give love to everyone and shows us the way back to God. So by taking of the fruit and everything it has to offer, this means eternal life for everyone who partakes of the fruit and enjoys the love of God in their lives. So what do you think, then, was the greatest gift of love that Father in Heaven could give us? Well, Maybe go over to Doctrine and Covenants 14.7. This is what it says. And if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Okay, so how do you get eternal life? How do you get to go back and live with God after this life? Because he gave you the gift that provided it, and that would be his son, Jesus Christ the greatest gift, the Savior's atonement that gave us the ability to go back and live with God again, the greatest gift, eternal life. Elder Neal A. Maxwell said the love of God for his children is most profoundly expressed in his gift of Jesus as our Redeemer. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. To partake of the love of God is to partake of Jesus' atonement. Elder Bednar also says that partaking of the fruit of the tree represents the receiving of ordinances and covenants, whereby the atonement can become fully efficacious in our lives. That was Elder Bednar. Well, efficacious means to be effective. That means receiving the ordinances and covenants so that the atonement becomes more effective in our lives and helps us be better and live better and closer to God. So once Lehi tastes of the fruit and the love of God in his life, he wants his family to also feel what he feels and have what he has. Often the first things we think of when we have felt the love of God and know the Savior, we say, well, I want to share. I want everyone to know and feel what I feel. So Lehi looks around to find his family. He says, I want them to have it too. So what does he do next? He looks around for his wife, and he sees her and Nephi and Sam, and they look like they don't know where to go or what to do. And they're standing next to the head of this river of water. But it's not just any river of water. Do you know what it looked like? Well, if you go over to Nephi uh, chapter 12, he tells us what it looks like. It's filthy water, ugly water, water you would not get in. Only only Nephi sees, sees that it's filthy water. Lehi doesn't seem to notice or doesn't mention it. So let's go over to um, chapter 12, verse 16, and this is what Nephi says about it. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold the fountain of filthy water which thy father saw, yea, even the river of which he spake, and the depths there are thereof are the depths of hell. It's the awful things that go on in the world today, the things that Satan uses to try to get us to fall off the path and into this river of filthy water or the sins of the world. Why do you suppose it runs right next to the path to the tree? Well, I think because Satan hopes to get you off the path with the things that he uses on the path, which we'll talk about in a minute. David Ridges Ridges says it this way, Satan puts evil and temptation just as close to the righteous as he possibly can. That's an interesting thought. But we're not left alone. In Lehi's dream, right next to this river of filthy water was a rod of iron. What do you suppose it represents? Well, we have to go over to First Nephi again, chapter 11, verse 25, to find that out. And this is what it says. And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron which my father had seen was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters or to the tree of life, which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. It's, a, it's this wonderful safety net that runs right along the banks of this river of filthy water, and it's called the word of God. The Lord has not left us alone to face Satan on our own. He's given us the rod of iron, the word of God, or the gospel and the commandments, and things to help us on the path. Elder K. Packer said, At your baptism and confirmation, you took hold of the iron rod, but you are never safe. It's after you've partaken of that fruit that your test will come. That was Elder Packer in his talk, Lehi's Dream and You next lehi now calls out to his family and he says with a loud voice he doesn't want just he doesn't just calmly say hey over here he was concerned for them and he called called out with a loud voice so they would hear him and then come to him sariah and nephi and sam come uh, see him and they come over and they partake of the fruit but he sees laman and lemuel and they wouldn't come to him Okay, let's go back to verse 21, and I saw numberless concourses of people, many of whom were pressing forward, that they might obtain the path which led into the tree by which I stood, and it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree, and it came to pass that there was a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, and they wandered, that they wandered off and were lost." Well, in Elder Nibley's book, he described the mist of darkness as a real thing to the Arab people. He says it's a depressing mixture of dust and clammy fog, which added to the night completes the confusion of any who wanders. He said that the mist of darkness makes it hard to continue your journey. Well, have any of you driven through a deep fog where you could barely see in front of you as you travel? It can become disorienting and we can become confused and get lost because we cannot see the signs or the things that show us the way. So try to compare that feel, feeling to the mists of darkness and that sometimes come those things that sometimes come from Satan that try to confuse us and make us feel disoriented and get lost. Mists of darkness caused by Satan cause us to be confused and not see clearly and might allow us to wander. They are the temptations that Satan uses to try to persuade us to get off the path there are so many things satan uses to to cause confusion maybe you can think of some we'll hear some that i thought of television shows that are tempting music can be distracting and use language and ideas that lead us astray the internet and all the things we could get in trouble with on there these are things the media throws at us and we can literally view any of these things within the privacy of our homes he'll do whatever he needs to do to try to blind us to misguide us to deceive us so that we lose our way. So we need to be careful of the mists of darkness in our world. We're going to have trials and rough roads in, the life, in life. These mists are out there and they're going to come to all of us at one time or another. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, When those mists of darkness enveloped the travelers and Lehi's vision of the Tree of Life, it enveloped all of the participants participants the righteous as well as the unrighteous the young along with the elderly the new convert and seasoned member alike in that allegory all face opposition and travail and only the rod of iron the declared word of god can bring them safely through we all need that rod we all need that word no one is safe without it for in its absence any can fall away into forbidden paths and be lost as the record says that was elder jeffrey r holland I think it was John, by the way, who said that even though um, the mist of darkness darkness impaired the people's ability to see, there was nothing wrong, nothing that impaired their ability to hear. So even though we might be in the middle of a mist of darkness at one time in our life, remember you can still hear the Lord and still feel the Holy Ghost, and they'll guide you through that mist. Well, I stopped here on purpose or else this podcast would be so very long. So we'll continue chapter eight next time and discuss the four groups of people who are trying to make their way to the tree in the next podcast. So until next time.